tuning in to our Neighborhood Church podcast. Join us on Sunday at any of our locations. To learn more about our church, visit neighborhoodchurch.com or download our church app. Well, good morning. Thank you for being with us today. Welcome to our time exploring God's trustworthy word, the Bible. My name is Mike, one of the pastors here. And so what do you think? What are some of the most trusted brands? Now, not the most popular, maybe, but what are the most trusted brands? What? Toyota. Oh, interesting. Okay. What? Nike? Lysol? Yes, actually, Lysol, in a, in, a, in a survey done, Lysol was number two. Can you guys guess what number seven was? No, number seven was Cheerios. I mean, come on, who doesn't trust Cheerios, right? Cheerios. Okay, you want to know what number three was? Somebody already said it. It's Clorox. Number three is Clorox. Now, again, this is an internet survey so go figure, right? It might not be quite accurate in that regard. Okay, what about the number one trusted brand in the U.S.? You know what it is? It's Band-Aids. Yeah, that's what I said too. Huh, interesting. Okay, what do you think the most trusted uh, car manufacturer is? No, not Ford. It's Chevrolet. Yeah, I was surprised with that too, but I happen to own a Chevy, so. Okay, what's the most trusted, because this is my heart. What is the most trusted candy? No. M&M Mars. Yep. You know why I like M&Ms? Mike McKay. I said, look, there's my candy. Oh, but what makes them the most trusted? You see, trust is paramount. And there's been much that has caused us to question what we trust. Could have been from the experience with the pandemic, how the government has functioned, the economy, the bias in the media. We are more careful now than ever with what we trust and who we trust. So what makes something or someone trustworthy? Words like reliable and credible, uh, the, the facts check out. They do what they claim. More words like integrity and honesty and truthfulness, consistent are used to describe what we trust. Um, I was out shopping and uh, I bought a bubble gun for my grandkids. Now, as I looked into this, I, you know, I did, I went on Amazon and I looked at all the reviews and, and the box and the advertising, the instructions, the pictures, all of that, the photos, even videos communicate that this product can, is trusted and can do what it says. But how do, how do I know it will deliver? Yeah, you have to try it out. You have to pull the trigger. Uh, then it's a true bubble gun. I had trusted the manufacturer enough to purchase it. And there it is. <laughs> There's actually one in the box too. There's two, two for one. But what's next? You know, I have to put an action in there. I have to pull the trigger to see if it works. 
to see if there's evidence to the claims that are made. So what do you think? Do you think it'll work? If it does, it lives out its purpose. If not, it's just an ornament or not what it was designed, it designed to be. Take your Bible, if you will, and open up to the Bible book of James. Now you may think, Mike, isn't this a Psalm series? Yes, but we're gonna get to that. Open to the Bible book of James. James chapter two. James is in the New Testament, right towards the end of the New Testament. James chapter two, going in verse 14. It's under the title, faith without works is dead. Now, when you see the word works, in specifically in the James chapter two, it means evidence of, or as it works out. So listen to this. What good is it, verse 14, my brothers, if someone says he has faith, but does not have works, does not have evidence, can that faith save him? Jump down to verse 17. So also faith by itself, does not ha- if it does not have works, is dead. But someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith apart from your works, and I will show you my faith by my works, by my evidence. Jump down to verse 26. For as the body apart from the spirit is dead, so faith apart from works is dead. If there is no evidence of faith, is there really any faith? Now, let me be clear. (laughs) We are saved by faith, that choice to believe in Jesus, Uh, that understanding that God wants to have this incredible relationship with us and wants us to go to heaven and wants us to to fulfill our destiny, but we can't get there because something stands in the way. The Bible's really clear about that. It's something that's part of our human DNA. It's called sin. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And because of that sin, there's a separation between us and God. And there's no way for us to fix the gap or to, to, to deal with our sin. No action we take cancels out sin. That's why we need a savior. That's why Jesus came. He came, lived, showed us how to relate to God, went to the cross, all the sin of the world was dumped on him. He paid the penalty. He rose from the grave saying he is our cure. He is the answer to our salvation. And when we believe, come to faith in that. In other words, we say, I get it. I'm sinful. I need a savior. It's Jesus. It's that action of the will. We are saved. No action saves us. That's why Ephesians 2, 8, 9 says this, for by grace you have been saved through faith and that not of your own doing, it is a gift of God, not a result of works, our own effort so that no one can boast. You see, doing good, living life God's way, going to church, being generous, uh, they don't deal with our sin. They're good actions and they reveal our heart. Actions don't save us. Actions reveal our heart. Now write down this this passage and look at it later. Mark chapter two, verses one to 12. It's a story where Jesus was preaching and healing people. And there was a paralytic man who couldn't get to where Jesus was. So his friends picked him up and brought him to Jesus, but they couldn't get in there because of the crowds. They went up on the roof, dug a hole in the roof, uh, lowered the guy down in front of Jesus. And it says, Jesus, seeing their faith, healed him because he saw action. He saw their faith in action. The paralytic man was healed because he saw the faith of the paralytic's friends. Their actions gave evidence of their faith and faith and actions go together. Psalm 119, verses 121 to 128 
talks about faith in action. All of Psalm 119 that we've been reading most every Sunday, is talking about how great and awesome God's expression to us, his testimonies, his, his, his precepts, all of those things are amazing. And here in this little couplet, it talks about how faith and action go together. Three faith action opportunities, opportunities each of us could step into for actively living out our faith aligns life and we thrive. So I'd like us to explore this small little section of Psalm 119. But before we do, if you wouldn't mind standing to your feet, let's pray and ask God to challenge us. You may be going, whoa, Mike, I've already just gotten so much in already. Woo, the best is yet to come. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for bringing us together. Thank you for how great your, your word is. Help us to understand. Holy Spirit, do something in our mind that we can gain what you want us to gain from today, and may we be better for it, we pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. You can have a seat, and those of you who are online, you can look for our outline. Uh, either it's in the, on our webpage or just grab a piece of paper. Those of you who are here in person, uh, flip over in that worship folder you received. There's an outline there. There's some blanks to fill in. The answers will be up on the screen. also encourage you to pick up one of our study guides. It's online available as well. Uh, it has all the answers to the fill in the blanks, all the extra verses, and plus some great questions to have you kind of ponder what you're learning this week because our hope is that you would take this time in God's word and use it throughout the week uh, to be able to learn and to grow deeper. And that's why we've created a section in our website called Revive. And on there, there's a lot of help, some extra articles and some uh, good teaching opportunities. There's also a link to our podcast, which we go through most every week to dive a little deeper in that. Now, Psalm 119 is the longest chapter in the Bible, and it's what's called an alphabetic acrostic psalm, meaning that each set of verses is organized under the, a letter of the Hebrew alphabet. And, and, and each line of each couplet starts with that same letter as well. It's organized under that Hebrew letter. Psalm 119, verses 121 to 128, is organized under the Hebrew letter Ein. So each line starts with an ein. And that, the reason why that's important to know because you need to look at it as a couplet. You need to look at it as all together because it doesn't follow a linear line like one verse upon the other. Sometimes it does if the language fits, but it's meant to be poetic and then in that through interpretation. And so it needs to be looked at as a whole. And as we explore these three faith action opportunities, we can look at it as a whole as well. For actively living out our faith aligns life and we thrive. Now, all throughout Psalm 119, different words are used to describe God's guiding communication. And you heard most of them when Grace read uh, that portion of Psalm 118, and some are in our, our passage as well. Psalm 119 uses seven of them. One is called Torah, wherever you see the word law. It's, it's the laws God's established. It's God's instructions. He also talks about his testimonies, which what God testifies to be his will. It's God's will. There's precepts. God, God has appointed to be done. Things God has appointed to be done. God's procedures. There are statutes, what God has laid down to be followed. God's customs. There's commandments, what God commands to be done. God's stipulations. And God's rules, what God has judged to be and ruled to be right. God's way. And then God's word, which is what God has spoken. God's truths. God's given all of these so that we might believe in him and get on with living this faith-driven obedience to God in his way of life. And now Psalm 119, verses 121 to 128, gives us these three faith action opportunities. And the first one is 
to believe in God's deliverance and to live out God's character. So let's jump back in. And if you're in James, flip over to uh, Psalms 119, starting in verse 121. And let's read this first section that to believe, the challenge to believe in God's deliverance and to live out God's character, verses 121 and 122. I have done what is right, the psalmist says. I have done what is just and right. Do not leave me to my oppressors. Give your servant a pledge of good. Let not the insolent oppress me. The phrases that are given here are pleas, pleas for help, but, but more like, God, I know you, you're God. And, 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 and you will not abandon me to my oppressors. I know that. Oppressor is a strong word. It's a stronger word, more stronger than a, just a bad person. It's, it's those who have a willful intent to bring harm. And yet there is a belief, <clears throat> a trust in God's deliverance because he can. Do you believe God can? Amen. <laughs> because he can. That's where faith is. See, Matthew 17, 20, Jesus said, if you have faith like the grain of a mustard seed, you could move mountains. Now, God does not always do what we want. No, he has reasons that are beyond us. And this is where faith gets real. Do we believe God regardless of the circumstances? If the, if the cancer is not cured, the relationships don't survive, the request is not fulfilled, the life is not spared. It's a belief, a raw belief that God is for us, for our good as he determines what good is. It's a belief even when we don't understand. Now, I'm sure you've had prayers like I have, and God just hasn't answered the way we wanted to. I know I continually pray that God would cure me of my asthma because it is really embarrassing, especially now when I cough, and I cough all day long, sometimes <clears throat> right when I'm speaking. And especially now people go, ah! <laughs> they're afraid. I'm okay. I'm not sick. I just have asthma and I cough. But God hasn't chosen to release me of that. I wish and pray that God would release me from this learning disability called dyslexia because it is really embarrassing, especially when I have to read scripture out loud and all the words start jumbling around. But God hasn't sought to, to answer that the way I wanted. And so it's belief, even if I don't understand, that God is delivering in his way. It's holding on to God's chesed, his loving kindness, that unconditional love he has for us. It's holding on to God's protection, that he will protect it, and holding on to God's provision that he will provide and believe that we're not alone and are being delivered. Deuteronomy 31.8 says, it is the Lord who goes before you. He will be with you. He will not leave you or forsake you. Do not fear or be dismayed. We are to trust in God's deliverance, <clears throat> whatever that may be. That's the challenge. That's the action, that faith-driven action to take. The next action is to live out God's character. <clears throat> this psalmist boldly states living justly and rightly as we all should. 
or it is part of God's character for God is just and he is right. That's why in Micah 6, 8, it says, he has told you, O man, what is good and what does the Lord require of you, but to do justice and to love kindness and to walk humbly with your God. Yes, we are called to participate in God's justice. Isaiah 117 kind of defines it for us a little bit to learn to do good, to seek justice, to correct oppression, to bring justice to the fatherless and plead the case of the widow. Not how humanity defines justice, but justice according to God's character and God's way, which is based on God's loving kindness, that word chesed that we've been looking at all through this series in Psalms. It's that unconditional love of his. And Jesus put it simply. He said, love your neighbor as yourself in Matthew 22, verse 39. It's helping those who've been pushed down by others or a system or a circumstance. Maybe it was a failure of government not providing adequate protection on the road to Jericho that Jesus gave a story about in Luke chapter 10, verse 25 to 37, where a man was beaten and robbed and thrown to the side of the road. Maybe a complete miss in the understanding of God's law that caused religious leaders to ignore the victim of violence and oppression. But one person, one person sought to do justice. He inconvenienced himself, having him spend his own money to help this poor, abused individual. You know the story. Many of you know the story. It's the story of the good Samaritan. That's God's justice. That's living out God's character, and we should do the same. How awesome it would be if we could say, I have done what is just and right like you, God. Let's be those who God created us to be, to live that faith-driven obedience. But like this bubble gun, (laughs) uh, would we show what we are created for when we pull the trigger? For actively living out our faith aligns life and we thrive. Another faith action opportunity to believe in is to believe in God's grace and experience God's will. Let's look now at verse 123 to 125. It says, my eyes long for your salvation and fulfillment of your righteous promise. Deal with your servant according to your steadfast love. That's the word said there. And teach me your statutes. I'm your servant. Give me understanding that I may know your testimonies. <clears throat> that word know is, is more than just an intake of brain knowledge or information. It's an experience knowledge that comes from practice. The word testimonies here, again, are those things God testifies to be his will. It is to be living out our experience of God's will, to practice it. It's the action of learning what God desires and then putting it into practice so much so that it becomes part of our life. That's why it's called practicing your faith. The Bible has many of those opportunities. I just want to just give you five really quick. We emphasize these as a church. It is to to worship God. Uh, John chapter four, verse 23 and 24, Jesus at a a well talking to a woman and they're talking about worshiping God. And he he says, God desires a day when, when people will be worshiping in spirit and in truth. 
In other words, that they'll be moving through life with their spirits set on the truth of God's testimonies and living them out as God designed. So much so that it, it is a, a living worship to God. Yes, times of worship, singing praise and glory to God, but also a life lived according to God's will. We're also to grow in faith. 2 Peter 3.18 says, but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. That wording there is in the command form that we are to continue to grow and, to, and to, uh, align our life to God's way. We're to foster belonging as John 15, 12 says, which says we are to love one another. We're to be about serving as Romans 12, 11 says, to not be lazy, but to get about serving, being active in our faith, helping with God's purposes and plans. And in that to reach out with others, sharing of Jesus and caring for needs. Matthew 28, 19 and 20 says, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, telling them about Jesus and helping them grow in their faith. And also that story in Luke chapter 10, <clears throat> verse excuse me, verse 29 to 37, talking about to live out justice like the good Samaritan. See, it's great to take in information of the will of God, but to really know it is to experience it and to live it out. The question is, do you? Let's live it out together. And that's one of the main reasons why we're doing this all church focus that John talked about with planted so that we would be planted and together grow in faith, be rooted so that we produce the fruit that God desires and to do that together. And I hope you jump in, get one of the rooted books and, 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 and join in a life group and be here on Sundays and you will be blessed. As we live out God's will, we are faced with believing in God's grace to trust in the salvation and the blessing God provides that chesed, that loving kindness, that unconditional love it's difficult for our human brains to grasp grace. We think of transactions, needing to earn conditions, qualifications, and yet God's steadfast love is unconditional. We can't earn it or earn more of it or do something to lessen the flow. It's like air. It's there. And if you really want to live, you'll breathe it in. Everybody take a breath. <sighs> okay, you can exhale too. <sighs> Sure, we may not fully understand what happens in our body when we take in oxygen, but it is amazing because inside your lungs, there's these little things that look like little cauliflowers. They take in the oxygen and they implant it onto our red blood cells and those take them to all the different areas of our body so that we can function. We can think, we can see, we can speak. Our heart pumps, our different systems in our body work. All that happens when we take in a breath. Well, the same it is with God's grace. Humanity needs a savior. So God, out of his chesed, out of his loving kindness, sent Jesus. John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. And when we choose to breathe in that choice, it affects every single part of our life. We have belonging. We have connection. We have purpose. We have significance a place, a home, a mission, a people, a destiny, a future, a hope, even when things go wrong. Not earned or deserved, just given by grace. Do you believe? Does it show? Is it active? This bubble gun called a bubble storm 
would your life give evidence of your faith when we pull the trigger? Aren't you dying to know if it really works? <laughs> We're actively living out our faith, aligns life, and we thrive. <clears throat> One more faith action opportunity. It is to believe in God's sovereignty and to treasure God's way. Look at the last couple of verses in this little couplet. <clears throat> it is time for the Lord to act, for your law has been broken. Therefore, I love your commandments above gold, above fine gold. <clears throat> Therefore, I consider all your precepts to be right. I hate every false way. Now, yes, there are those who continue to break God's law, not live God's way of life, and it hurts us all. And so the prayer is, Lord, isn't, isn't it enough? But then we leave the results up to God, a trust, a belief in his sovereignty that all powerful, all knowing God is orchestrating all of existence, including evil for his purposes and his plans. Now we don't get that at times, like when evil seems to prevail, but we are put to a choice. Will we believe and put our trust in God even when we don't completely understand? This is when Faith is what Hebrews 1.11 says, that assurance of things hoped for and the conviction of things not seen. And we are going to be going through on Sundays some of these heroes of the faith, but listed in Hebrews chapter 11, or chapter one, excuse me, chapter 11, all the way through from verse one and on, we're going to be, uh, those, those heroes of the faith are listed. I encourage you to read them. And we'll be studying some in the weeks to follow but many went through horrible circumstances where evil seemed to prevail. But they chose to believe, to believe in God's sovereignty. What about us? This author gives his answer, verses 20, 127 and 128. Therefore, I love your commandments above gold, above fine gold. Therefore, I consider all your precepts to be right. I hate every false way saying, regardless of the circumstances and how people are not following you, God, I am. I'm going to value God's way enough, even more than riches. I'm going to figure it out, and I'm going to embrace the life path God has laid out, see it as right, and go for it with all of my might. And I'm going to treasure God's way. So when it comes to that fork in the road, I will always go God's way and not the other way. I remember um, after I came to faith in Jesus, I really didn't know much about what following Jesus meant. I knew I was supposed to go to church and knew I was supposed to read God's word occasionally. I didn't know I was supposed to actually align my life his way. And so I just kind of did my own thing my own way and figured I was okay because I was going to church. I'd come to a place I knew I was sinful and needed a savior and it was Jesus, but I wasn't really aligning life his way. And I got involved in some not so good things. My heart was divided. I really wanted what I want. But as Jesus said in Luke 12, 34, where your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will be also. What we treasure has our heart. 
for our heart leads our life. I was treasuring me, my wants, my desire, my lusts, and it was messing my life up. I resolved like the psalmist that God's way is better. His way is right. He, was, he became the Lord of my life. But it wasn't a one-time choice. Actually, it's a daily choice to make Christ the Lord of your life, the one who orchestrates where you should go and how you should live and what path to follow. How could you treasure more God's way of life? It's like this bubble gun. You know, it's, it's uh, would your life reveal the value you have in God's way of life? What would happen when you pull the trigger? Would the actions be there for actively living out our faith aligns life and we thrive? So the bubble gun? It works. It actually proves to be true. When you pull the trigger, it happens. It does all that it was said to be and more. And I can't wait for my grandkids. They're going to love this. <laughs> it's actions that give evidence of its creation. What about us? What happens when we pull the trigger of our life? Faith is not just knowing a bunch of truths. The evidence is how we live life. So let's be encouraged. Like what Psalm 119, verse 121 to 128 say, believe in God's deliverance and live out God's character. Believe in God's grace and experience God's will. Believe in God's sovereignty and treasure God's way. For actively living out our faith aligns life and we thrive. Will you pray with me? Father God, it's a little bit rather convicting because sometimes we wonder what happens when we pull the trigger in our life. Does faith really show? Or is it really more about me, my wants, my desires, what I expect? Lord, you've got a great life for us. Jesus, you said so clearly, you came to, to give us life abundance in John 10, 10. And Lord, we know that's lived your way. Coming to faith in you, coming to that point where we believe in you, Jesus, and then to begin to practice our faith. Guide us in that, God. Thank you for this morning, for guiding us in some ways we can practically live out our faith. Help us in that, we pray in Jesus' name.